and it's finally here, folks. It is Super Bowl week, and you know there's only one place you want for the full breakdown, and that's right here on the NFL All 32 podcast. David Hasegan here with Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, and an extremely jet-lagged bizarre the playbook. Emery Hunt has decided to join us again this week. Emery, welcome back. How was how was your travels? Glad to be back, man. Glad the travels are done until the combine uh, because it can get you lose track of days, you lose track of time, different time zones, and it's information overload being on the road and seeing all of the football, probably over 800 players in yeah. different all-star games. Yeah. So it's just like, it's a lot. So you say travel overload, but I think you were really there for the food because you're taking pictures of beignets and putting them on the Twitter feed. That's just not fair, man. You cannot <laughs> hey, go man, to Cafe du Monde. You gotta you gotta pace yourself when you're on the road, man. Otherwise, you you <laughs> blow up. You know you can't because you you can't work out like you normally do. So you gotta really. It was hard in Texas, uh, the first leg of the trip because barbecue, barbecue, and all kind of beef. <laughs> so I was like, I, so I, in, to to truth be told, all uh, the Texas trip, I was out there for. Six days, all I ate was salads and fish in Texas. Mm. Got to Florida, the first leg was fish, and then the second leg in the Shrine game was, you know, fish and, and chicken, and then when I got to Louisiana, all bets were off. Like, <laughs> gum- that's, that, that's that sweet home cooking. Yeah, got mom's cooking and, and the gumbo yep. and all that stuff, oh, and yeah. I was like, then in Mobile I had the, the steak dinner, so it was like I did well considering all the walking I did. I worked out twice throughout right. the whole trip, so I all did right. I pace. I didn't blow up. I still fit in my suits. <laughs> we we've been holding down the fort here just fine. Never we, we boys. We've been. Uh, yeah, y'all done a great job, man, on this right. podcast and the show. I, I've listened to you guys. I've checked you guys. I'm a big fan of the show. Long time listener. <laughs> um, I mean, first time calling. First time calling. <laughs> you guys, you guys did a great job, man. I, I'm I'm proud of you guys. Watching you guys out there and working and. Uh, Thanks, Dad. Yeah, well, thanks, you know. Dad. <laughs> well, but I also got we, you know, it's funny we talk about that because when we talk later in the in the podcast about the trips, uh, two of my other sons did a great job on the on the road too, and uh, yeah. Luke Diamond and, and Bobby O'Hara, those, those some funny guys. So we'll get into that later, but I'm proud of you guys. We, we will right. we will take that down. We will go through all of the uh, bowl games that Emery was at and talk about. Well, we're talk- it's time to start talking about the draft. It's only a couple months away. we got to get our, our boats ready, make sure they're waterproof so we can get to the stage. That might be the dumbest idea I've seen. <laughs> it might be. The- There's been some very, very, like, flambe hot takes on that whole situation, uh, especially since they're going from one casino to the other. Good luck getting them in time for the, for the next pick is announced. But me that as it may, we've got a lot of draft prospects to talk about from all of the games that Emory was at. We're going to talk about some retirements over the past year. We've had a couple of big ones over the last week or so. And then we will get into the Super Bowl, the full tale of the tape. We are going to go position by position to break it down and see who has the advantage. And then maybe, I doubt it, but maybe we can come to a consensus on who is going to win this. Except for Emory, you're going to have to watch the NFL All-32 show to get his prediction. He's still, despite being three weeks on the road, folks, and denying us his presence here on the podcast, will not give us a prediction. You got to click, click that link, man. Got to click. Uh, it's all about clicks with you, isn't yeah, it? Ever since get, you get that blue check mark, it's all about clicks click, for you. It's click not about that the damn link. Don't, don't ask me <laughs> anything. See all my thoughts and in, 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 uh, comments in my articles or in my videos. Don't ask me a question. And I, I, I will say this. I don't I, have the link. When you meet me in person, I wish I had a link in my hand. Like, yeah, click this. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I will say this. I was shouting you out, though, on the uh, All 32 TV show, telling people to follow you on Twitter, because a ton of interview folks, if you haven't seen them, oh, go on the YouTube channel as well. A lot of interviews. Of course, we we love our FCS guys, so uh, there was a lot of guys to talk about there. So why don't we start with these All-Star games? Because you were at how many in the last three weeks? Four? Four Five. All-Star games broadcasting one of them. <laughs> yeah, broadcasting... You, you were broadcasting with yourself. That was <laughs> that one. Let's start there. Let's start there. Cause, start uh, with the Tropical Bowl. That, that one was it was funny um, because I get to the Tropical Bowl, which is in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, I love going to Daytona Beach because every time you own that that highway that where the speedway sits, it almost feels like you guys probably don't remember the video game, but it feels like Outrun. You know where you, nope. you guys remember that? <laughs> nope. You're dating nope. yourself there. The old are cruising. You guys remember that game? I cruising, do know cruising. Yeah, I do know yeah, cruising. cruising. Yes. And so it's like, man, you gotta go fast on this highway because it says the whole sign that says "Welcome to Daytona Beach" 
like, I got to speed through this. Like, <laughs> I, I got to compete with the guys. But Daytona is fun. Uh, Tropical Bowl, I get down there for two days of practice and a game on Sunday. My, I was under the impression, having done that broadcast for the past two seasons, that there will be a play-by-play guy there um, because I've done it with the same guy since we since two years ago. Uh, Joshua Jackson, who's who's the voice for Florida A&M and also did the Jacksonville Sharks Arena, but also as the SID now for uh, Edward Waters College up in Jacksonville. I get the, I emailed the guy in the, the, um, on Thursday. I was like, so uh, who is the you know play Friday email? Like, who's the play-by-play guy I'm working with? I'm sorry, I, I must have missed it. I didn't, I didn't catch the email. Knowing damn well that there was no email. I just didn't you know, I know <laughs> this guy, right? Um, and so he – he gets back to me on Friday, uh, Saturday night. It's like the game is on Sunday. So he gets back to me Saturday night and was like, uh, oh, no, it's just you. I was like, well, I have never done a, a game or watched a game where one guy does the show. And what, what did he ask you? What did he ask you? He was like, if this, if, if it, are you okay with this? Are you comfortable with this? Because if not, I can get on the, on, the, on the horn and make some calls. I'm like, you know what? I'm not comfortable with this. You know, I, find somebody. So – that sounds pretty hard, being the color analyst and the play right, by play. Right, for a full game. Yeah. After you spent, for an all-star game at For that. an all-star game, what, you spent the whole <laughs> week gathering information to use as content during the show. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so Sunday, I get, I'm get. i thinking, like, oh, he's on the, he's working the phones hard, right? Because that's, that's what you said you was going to do. So Sunday, I get to the, uh, the stadium, and I walk in the booth, and it's the uh, it's the, the the producers that are there, and it's two women and a guy, two guys and, and two women, and the one of the women one of the women was sitting at the desk, and I'm like, okay, are you uh, are you play by play? And she's talking about, you know, so what's play by play? And I'm like, well, you know, that's like, you know, the person that sets up the play and the color analyst. She was like, color analyst. I was like, yeah, that that would be me. <laughs> and I, I was like, so I was trying to find ways to make it easy. I was like, you know, like John Matt, Pat Summerall, but she had this look. I was like, maybe that's looking uh-huh. too old for um, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, because she says she worked at NFL Films. So I was like, all right, so she mean, she, okay, so I was like, yeah, so you would be Joe Buck. She's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just a sound. I'm making sure this. I'm like, so I'm the only, and, and the guy was like, he watched the whole conversation. I'm like, bro, you could have saved me 20 minutes trying to explain this. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, uh, nah, you, you're doing it all by yourself. I'm like, Yo, I've never done this. I, and I was like, all right, well, we're just going to have fun with it. So I did it as a color analyst, but doing play-by-play as well. I kind of made it my own thing. It act, They said, man, you did great. I'm thinking, like, it, it could have been better, but they were like, no, it was great because the last guy we had was terrible. He had to do it by himself. Um, Always strive for greatness. Right. And so, But, you know, the game was fine. They had some good action in it. And actually, one guy got called up from the Tropical Bowl into – the Shrine game, so that was great. But the week started in my trip started at the College Gridiron Showcase in in Fort Worth, which is unique because you have it's uh, over 300 players that are there. Um, I want to say maybe 30 of I want to say it was 29 of 32 NFL teams over there. Right. Um, so you have a small college uh, format. Uh, it was unique about that they don't have they don't have a game. So they just they have the practices and there's a scrimmage. So you have the small college event where guys have one day of practice and they have the scrimmage and then whoever gets selected is ten guys or so that gets pushed into the the bigger group right the rest of the week. Uh so it was just interesting to see how that whole process worked and um you know, fourteen guys got called up. But this was a really interesting game. I thought this game had some intriguing quarterbacks. You had DeAndre Francois. Uh, from Hampton, former Florida State. You had uh, D'Angelo Fulford, the record-breaking quarterback from Mount Union. Um, the quarterback from St. John's was there. Uh, 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 it's alright if you forget. You've gone through 800 players. Jackson Urban. Jackson Urban. There you go. Who, who, um, who was there? <laughs> they had a they, uh, Roland Rivers the third from Slippery Rock, who won yeah. the the Harlan Hill Trophy. He was there. So Jalen Morton from Alcorn State was there. So it was a, a ton. And what was interesting was during that whole thing, you know, they, they do the weigh-in as well, the height and weight. So you're seeing, like, true <laughs> height and weight. And uh, uh, Is it all, dumb or is it dumb? 
Who? Is it dumb or is it dumb? It's super dumb, the height. <laughs> That's the senior bowl you're thinking about. But this here, uh, what I'm getting at is the running back from Alcorn State was there, who we like. Yeah. Um, who's phenomenal. Who's yeah. like Tariq Cohen. Um, and that's DeWanya Tucker. DeWanya Tucker goes up and gets measured, measured in at 5'4". Oh, my goodness. Damn. He's listed as 5'6", on the 5'7", or so on the roster. 5'7", yeah. I think. He mentioned it. I was like, "Whoa!" I like I, it blew my mind. It was like, <laughs> but he, but again, size is not a skill. He went out there had a good week, but go. it just blew my mind that, damn, he measured it at five four, which yeah. is interesting because it makes sense now considering how tough it is to find him and and get a hold right. on him. Uh, but that week went well. Then I was at the East West Shrine game. Yeah, you you were at you were at the College Grand Showcase. Then you went to the Tropical Bowl. Right. Then you were at the East West Shrine game, and then you were at the exactly. Senior Exactly. The and only one you missed was the. Uh, NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, but that's because it was on the same day as the Shrine Game on the other coast. I'm not saying you could have made a flight out there. I'm just saying well, it was a possibility. Some here's what some <laughs> scouts here's what some scouts did. They were at the Shrine Game Monday, Tuesday, flew out to LA Wednesday, Thursday, or you know Thursday, Friday, what have you. Uh, what you won't see Emory do is definitely choose California over Florida. That will never happen. Ooh, they're, all right. We're starting the East Coast West Coast thing now. This <laughs> is just a, it's just logistics. Your game is in Los Angeles, number one. It's yeah. a six hour flight, number two. Expensive in Los Angeles, all year around. There's no down season in L.A. True, and it's the same time as the Shrine Game, and, and Shrine Game is literally a puddle jump flight to Mobile. Yeah, for the Senior Bowl. There's no way <laughs> I'm going all the way out there, and don't even mention the Hula Bowl. Like, oh come <laughs> on! You don't want to fly to Hawaii? Hula Bowl decides to start restart their game. They, you know, that game has been in existence since 1946. It stopped in 2006. You know, growing up, the Hula Bowl was a big thing. I was about to say you it's know, historic. It, right, it was historic. But they just they decided to restart this year, and they hey, let's play the game the same week as Senior Bowl. <laughs> sure, everyone could have made that flight though. No the time difference that's in the like flight a, time. It's like a 40 hour flight. Like not 40. Come on now. But it was a lot of prospects to see, and yeah. shout out to the Hula Bowl for finally getting their roster up 15 minutes before the game, so we knew who was actually in the game, you know. So, wow. shade. yeah, just saying, like, but but there were, I mean, if you're talking about prospects that stood out to you throughout the week, obviously you oh saw God. Yeah, all was, different levels, all right. you know, from from Canada all the way up to FBS D1. Who were the guys that you really saw that were impressive to you that we should be paying more attention to going forward in terms of the draft? First of all, you got to learn how to watch practice because that's the biggest thing you see. You mean going to checkdowns in a seven on seven is not great? Hey, that's not what you want to do. That's not how to <laughs> I'm drill just the saying, up. maybe. <laughs> you hitting, you know, if you're hitting checkdowns in seven on seven, you need to, you, you got to do better than that. But people always love, they love one on ones because that's the big, that's the draw, that's the matchup, that's the eye candy. But you have to be careful in over, uh, over, um, over hyping, over hyping the one on ones. Yeah. Because these receipt, we saw this was a classic example of seeing this. This was maybe like four years ago, the Braxton Miller year. So Braxton Miller was down there, and everybody was all in on. I tried to talk to the guy, interviewed him, asked him about quarterback, see if that was still an option. Because, you know, I know he had the shoulder. Just seeing how healthy he was, if you because. Yeah. Athletic quarterbacks are a thing. You actually got better every year as a quarterback. Braxton Miller, I'm trying to help you out here. He's like, no, I'm all in on receiver. So he goes out there at one-on-ones, and he was having a great day, right? But when you watch, you're like, bro, you're making 17 cuts to run a slant. Quarterback would have been dead already. Like, run your one, two, three, and cut. Like so, everybody's enamored with the and one moves and those. I'm like, yeah, yeah. DB, like, bro, that that was a sack. And so, <laughs> you see receivers out there running these crazy mad bohemian routes, and you know, and everybody's ooh ah, or in O line D line one on ones, somebody gets knocked over. O line is like quarterback probably would have threw the ball. Or, you know, D line is going to do everything possible to get the yeah. sack. You know what I'm saying? Because it's there's there's no play call. It's right. heavily favoring. The D line, so everybody's oh, this guy is killing it. But in nine oh seven or team versus team, that guy is non-existent. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. Um, I would say, with that being the backdrop, the LSU center Cushenberry was was excellent. Mm. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, he was phenomenal uh, in the Senior Bowl. I thought McTelvin a gem at the uh, Shrine game. The Arkansas defense alignment stood out in one on ones, but it translated to the 
9-on-7 team on team. Um, and he got the call up to the senior bowl. So he was great. Mm. Uh, the quarterback play was interesting because everyone uh, thought Joe Burrow was going to be in the uh, senior bowl, but rightfully so he declined because this man didn't play a, a 95-game season. He's got nothing to lose. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, he just the, – first of all, that championship game was like seven hours long. Like that was – that needed to be that. That was childish, and so him not playing made sense. So now you had everyone focus on Herbert, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love, and you know the quarterbacks was in there as well. But but you know, <laughs> you you, know somebody up. Yeah, you know, it's a throwaway quarterbacks was in there. But <laughs> you look at uh, Herbert. Um, you know, Herbert obviously has the 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 look that people he has the measurables. Yeah, that they fall in love with, and they, you know he's throwing the ball well versus the air. There's no pressure, so obviously he's going to look great. Because that's the big knock on him is how he handles pressure. So when there's right. no pressure, you're going to look outstanding. Hertz is a guy that thrives on pressure. So when you're asking him to, to simulate different things, it won't be as it's hard for him to simulate when it's not real happening. Yeah. Exactly, you can't fake live in practice. Um, and uh, love, you saw all the physical traits that people like: uh, the arm, uh, the velocity, um, you know, his ability to hit deep throws. But it was inconsistent, and that's something that you kind of saw on tape. In the game, well, before the game started, you saw Hertz got voted, voted South Quarterback of the Week, you know, by mm. his peers, the guys that he right. was going up against. But the overall practice player of the week was Justin Herbert, um, and his his best practice I thought was a Thursday practice where he actually they had these guys do a two minute drill. And he was you know decisive. He was throwing the ball deeper down the field. Right. Intermediate. He got the they, the situation was they needed a field goal, so he got them down the field to kick a field goal. Um, and none of the other quarterbacks were able to get points. So uh, Montez got points. He had a you know, nice little uh, seam route for, for a touchdown. But the quarterbacks, I thought, you know, what you thought going in to the week is how you're going to, you know. There wasn't too much of a change in your perspective. Yeah, on. Not, but people already did dumb, the dumb shit of saying, like, <laughs> uh, asking Hurts day one, you know, is he going to play another position? As if. Does it, they said that to the guy that's currently playing in Baltimore right now. What, well, at least with Lamar Jackson, you saw explosiveness <laughs> to, to even entertain the dumb comment. Hurts, Hurts, not even that fast. Like yeah. Hurts, just like a dude that he's like Dak. Imagine moving Dak Prescott to <laughs> tight end or running back or something. Right. It's gonna look dumb. That's yeah. what Hurts would look like at another position. And then we had a couple of the guys that we talk about in the FCS podcast that stood out. Tom Flacco won the MVP of the Tropical Bowl. Yes, he was outstanding. The quarterback from Towson, everybody's favorite tight end. Now everybody's favorite tight end, Adam Troutman from Dayton, who nobody thought was going to be maybe a third-day pick. All of a sudden, now he's looking in the second round because, guess what? He's good. Even in the Tropical Bowl, (laughs) uh, there was a couple of FCS guys that really stood out. Jamari Hester for Jacksonville State, the wide receiver, 6'7", 215, like legit 6'7". Menashe Bailey for (laughs) Morgan State was probably the most explosive receiver there. He had a great week. I had a chance to, to uh, catch up with Kyle Anthony of Howard. Yep, um, he was really good. It was a, and, and and Flacco had the best week of a quarter of the quarterback position. Um, so it was it was really good. What happens now is now that I've seen all these All Star games, I go back into the film room. I formulate my list of here's the fifty or sixty quarterbacks to watch. Here's the amount of running backs I'm gonna watch. Then you grade by position. And then you release these grades before the combine because our grades always come out before the combine. Not after the combine. Right, because we don't want people to think we got influenced by workouts. So it's always about the film. So now that the the real stuff starts for me is that the film study. So it was a great uh, experience. Um, Got to see Bobby O'Hara and uh, Luke Diamond. Um, Doing their thing. They were down there at the Senior Bowl. They were so – it was – what's funny about those two guys – they're both animated. They're both like right. I'm talking yeah. about like highly caffeinated, like highly Luke, Ritalin, all that stuff. Luke high like energy? No. Luke. Luke is high energy. He's unassuming. Like Luke yeah. looks like Shaggy from Scooby Doo, <laughs> unassuming. But he is like super high energy. And um, down there with a Colts hat on and his Paramus Catholic sweatshirt, uh, totally looking not the part. <laughs> looking but, like a bum. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but to their credit, now my format for interviews are different. Right. So I have to have the two cameras set up, and it's me and the other guy. Uh, they were more like man-on-the-street type interviews where they have the camera and the mic. Credit to them. They, I was only able to get six because of how poor the, the setup is for media day. 
it's set up perfect for them to just have a camera walk around interviewing players. I want to say they got like 40-something interviews oh, wow. of nice. players. And they were also able to interview uh, Frank Wright, um, the head ah, coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Nice. Got him to hold the, the mic. So Luke's uh, For the Culture podcast is featured in with uh, Coach talking about whatever questions they were asking him. And they got him to do a drop. Like, you know, For the Coach podcast, For the Culture podcast, check out. I'm Frank Wright. Like, so wow. – Luke uh, probably That's had to change his pants e- immediately. Like his <laughs> pants were off when he first got the interview of uh, for Frank Wright. So, nice. uh, Luke. yeah, he yeah, he did a, he did a great job, and I'm in, I'm interested to see the footage they got on uh, from practice. But they did a great thing with the first question. They teased a little bit, and they released it on Twitter. Uh, they interviewed a bunch of players, obviously, but got those guys to talk about. What they're you know what they're binge watching right now on Netflix and those guys gave like that was a you know lighthearted mm-hmm. question but guys giving some some cool interesting answers so they did a really good job down now I was proud of those two guys and if anyone's watching the Aaron Hernandez thing then you know who's the next serial killer it's a it's a nice thing to that Florida team I, I don't <laughs> want to get to it, get off task but that was a unique you had Tebow Tebow Percy Harvin you had uh, uh, who's the racist um, Riley Coop- Cooper Cooper <laughs> and then you had. <laughs> Yeah, Hernandez, Hernandez. The, pa- the Pouncy Brothers. Yeah, the Pouncy Brothers. Like it was, it was a, that was, was a, rude there. And Cam Newton. And Cam and Newton, Cam. Quiet. wide receiver. Yeah, that, that was in the background. That was an interesting team. Very but interesting. Again, folks, if you want to check out all the stuff from uh, from Luke and check out the uh, For the Culture podcast for all of Emery's interviews, don't forget to go to Football Game Plan on YouTube. He's got all the interviews up there as well as his Twitter at Fball Game Plan. So check that out. It's where Last football thing. makes sense. The worst thing you could ever ask me at practice <laughs> is once practice is over, who stood out? Bro, I do not know. Like, <laughs> I literally just watch practice just like you. I have to go sit back in and watch the, the thing before I even know what I saw. Sometimes but you're a czar of the playbook. You should know this stuff off the, off the top of your head. Because people spend more time socializing <laughs> than they actually do watching practice. So if people, people that ask that tend to, you know, don't watch practice. They walk around all day at practice, yeah. socialize with a fellow colleague or something like that. Then they see a take and let that take become their take, and then everyone's saying the same thing. That's how you get the, the consensus of Twitter that Jalen Hurts is struggling in the senior bowl. And I'm looking like, wow, like what practice? Everybody was here. I've seen everybody, but what the hell are they watching? Like, So what you're saying is you don't have many friends. I'm saying this. <laughs> I'm saying this. People come up and say, I'm cordial, I'm nice, because you know, yes. this is their first time meeting yeah, you okay. or what have you. They may be big fans of the – the show or the, or the podcast or your work, uh, so you, you be cordial and you you're right, nice. Exactly. But I'm I'm at these event, events working, man. They they never see me out, you know, because I'm either editing video or watching film, because this is like the start. Like I don't cover the draft all year round, you know. Yeah. This is the start of my process. So, you know, people, it's a vacation for them. It's a business trip for me. There you go, and that's and that's how we should end up that segment there. But again, check out all those interviews on YouTube or Twitter. They're all there. Before we get into the Super Bowl, we will spend a good at least 30 minutes on that. We do have to talk about a couple of retirements, notable retirements from the NFL this year. Uh, a couple of which that have happened a couple of weeks in the making. Obviously, Luke Keekley was the shocking one coming out of Carolina, retiring after just eight seasons. Uh, Gates, the longtime tight end in, in uh, for the San Diego and now Los Angeles Chargers. He announced his retirement. And of course, this week, uh, the big retirement of Eli Manning. We kind of saw that riding on the wall. Uh, it was coming, but you know, stayed with his, with one team for his entire career, which you can't say very often at all anymore. So, Alex and Troy, you guys have been uh, you know obviously following this with the last couple of weeks when we've been here. You know, thoughts on these retirements, legacies, whatever you want to throw out there. I mean, Troy, I know you're still wearing your big blue, so. Till I die, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Eli. It's it was expected on my behalf for yeah. him to retire, knowing that they transitioned into Daniel Jones, and he's a Manning. You know, just the respect that comes with that. I didn't see him playing with another team, with the stats that he put up and everything else. I'm happy to see him walk away with his head held high. Yeah. Uh, he went out. He went out correct. You know, he knew it was the end of his career. It, the only way you could have gone out better was to walk out with a ring on your finger. But he didn't walk off on a stretcher. He didn't have his his career end. He didn't have his career taken from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes. he walked out knowing that it was all said and done. Absolutely. And uh, guys, that I mean, we talked about Keekly and how shocking that is. But uh, it's almost the same sentiment when it comes to Antonio Gates. He's a guy that 
I mean, ultimately change the position at tight end. Um, yeah. Just, you know, and like a big guy with an athlete playing tight end. He was and really just, the first Gronk before he came into the league. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he, I mean, Phil Rivers owes a lot of his success to a guy like Antonio Gates. Tight ends used to be the guys that bailed you out, your intermediate third down guys, and Antonio Gates was a game breaker um, at that position. He was a mismatch nightmare for uh, opposing defenses. And um, he was one of, like, the first – not first, but he's one of those household names at tight end that him and the Tony Gonzalez's of that era that you really thought of. And, uh, I mean, it was probably expected. He didn't play last year, um, even though there was the rumors of him coming out when Hunter Henry went down again. Um, yeah. But uh, it's good to see that he's finally, <laughs> if it is, finally if retired. Is. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and he's absolutely a sure first ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes. Any thoughts on, the, uh, on these guys, Emery, the, the main guys, or any other retirements that you saw this week? Keekly kind of shocked me, um, but understandable considering the, the nature of that position. We've seen Chris Borland. We saw Patrick Willis. We now see Luke Keekly. And we know that um, he has the history with the concussions. Exactly. So it makes yeah. sense. Um, you know, he's a really good player. But kudos to him for getting out on his own terms. And uh, hopefully we'll see him probably transition into coaching or scouting. I know he wants to do something like that. And we'll see if they're able to get him on uh, the staff. Absolutely. Again, we wish all those guys uh, good luck in their retirement. Um, certainly the Keekley one, I mean, it does not mean that he's not a great player. We saw Patrick Willis. He's a finalist possibly to go to Canton this year uh, with the same resume in terms of the years played. Gates, I think, is a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, Manning, we've had this debate. People will have the debate for years until, what was it, how many years? Five years, I believe. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah for the next five years. Yeah. So that debate will rage on for how many days there are between this year's announcement of the Hall of Fame and, ne- and five years from now. Uh, but we certainly wish all those guys the best. But there is still one more game to be played. Super Bowl 54. We got really a great one of the matchups that we kind of wanted to see. We see San Francisco and their tremendous defense taking on the Kansas City Chiefs and the wild offense. But this is really stacked from top to bottom. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go position by position. We're going to break them down. Who has the advantage where? And then we'll get some predictions from at least three of us on this one. Again, for Emery's prediction, along with more of our breakdown, you'll have to go on to the uh, NFL All-32 show on TV. Yeah, number one media that. market, you know, to watch that show. Just just saying. just It's, it's in, it's in <laughs> light NYC. Light flex. Just light, <laughs> that's a light flex? What's a heavy flex? <laughs> that's a light flex. Anyway, let's get into the starting positions. And, of course, we got to start where everybody starts, the quarterback position. Two very different quarterbacks here. You've got... Jimmy Garoppolo on one side, who's very standard quarterback, old school, more of a pocket guy, can scramble when he needs to. He's shown that a little bit throughout the season and the playoffs. But much more of a, okay, I'm here to complement our offense. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes. I can do just about anything you want me to do, and I'll invent some things, including throwing when I'm looking the other direction. This is an interesting one. I mean, again, two very different quarterbacks, but it seems like there's a significant advantage here. Yeah, when it comes to the talent level, it's not close, in my opinion. Right. Um, but the reason why this is a closer comparison is because of what they mean to their team. And what in order for the Chiefs to have a chance and win this game, Patrick Mahomes has to be Superman. In On the other side of the field, Garoppolo can play okay-ish football and make him win this game. So that's why it comes closer because... There's such a less of a um, in the system it, it, in the system that they're yeah. in absolutely and with the team and the way they built the team now that's not and that's not me trying to knock Garoppolo that's just the way that Shanahan has built this team it's yes. it's a ground and pound they and you know it's a very balanced offense whereas I mean when Damian Williams came back it's been a better running attack for the for the Chiefs but it's really still if Patrick Mahomes isn't throwing for 300 plus yards and and accumulating every single touchdown they score. The, the Chiefs really aren't going to do too much, you know. So um, I think because of that, it's closer. But ultimately, I mean, the I mean, the eyes are going to be, on my opinion, are going to be on Mahomes, and they're going to see how he does now in the biggest spotlight. We saw two postseason games, him step up, both down in those games, especially that first one to Houston, and just do what he did. Um, they we want to see if he can carry that into the Super Bowl. It's going to be much tougher uh, sledding, but um, I think. Uh, it's, it's just going to be really fun to watch to see what he does against a better defense. So who do you give the edge to, though, if you have to pick? Uh, well, Mahomes. You going, I, I'm, never, going, I'm never going to pick against Mahomes. He's Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you're going Kansas City on that. <laughs> Troy, yeah. I have a feeling it's a similar answer. Yeah, absolutely. you got to go Mahomes here. And the reason for that being, I, think it's, I don't think it's that close. I think it's completely lopsided because if you take Mahomes out and you take Garoppolo out, 
San Fran has the edge because of that running game. You put Mahomes and Garoppolo in, Chiefs ain't doing nothing if Mahomes ain't there. And that's just facts. That is absolute facts. Well, Mahomes, you, it's interesting, though, because you got Matt Moore as your backup there. That is absolute facts. And they actually <laughs> like they looked okay. They did not look nearly the same level. As Pat but they're not beating San Francisco with nope. Matt Moore. Yeah. Dare, Matt, nope. Well, the <laughs> question is, dare poop yes. on Matt Moore, nope. guys. Don't you dare nope. do it. I can't, even, I can't even believe you tried saying that. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying that during the year we have seen Matt Moore step in, and they were able to at least function. But, yeah. yes, there is clearly a massive step between one quarterback and the other. Yeah, and that quarterback is Mahomes and Garoppolo. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Chiefs across the board, Everett? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this this was an <laughs> yeah. easy, this, like, yeah. no-brainer. Scary, not scary. I'm going to take not scary 10 times out of 10. Like, we've seen Garoppolo come up small. We've seen him be de-emphasized. We've seen Mahomes rise to the occasion. Yes. And this is the, you know, until it's announced, this is the reigning MVP we're talking about. So, this yeah. is an easy KC. And, and, a, and a better runner of the football as well. Now, if you want to talk depth. Yeah, I was about to say depth is interesting because behind Garoppolo, again, we you, you wish got, no harm You got guys that, that have actually – that look just like Garoppolo out there. You got Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. Right. Whereas in Kansas City, you got Matt Moore and Chad Henney. So, so Chad Henney's still in the league. Chad Henney, yeah. He's not a coach. Like, yeah, he, I remember they, br- they brought him back in to the league when <laughs> Mahomes went down to be a more so, backup. That, that's crazy. No. So, But, yeah, so let's hope both quarterbacks survive this game because that's what we want to well, see. Well, it would heavily favor – San Fran, if because they we've seen them win with, uh, you know, I could, they could win with me at the quarterback position. No, not you, but more Mullins. <laughs> Mullins. Yeah, Mullins. Mullins. All right, let's get into a little bit tougher decision now. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Running back position. San Francisco stable of backs and guys that were just completely you want to talk about draft underrated. Mostert, Breda, Coleman, absolutely outstanding from top to bottom. Kansas City. You still got Damian Williams, who's come back nicely. Darwin Thompson, LaShawn McCoy, still sitting in there. Still in the in the uniform. But we still we know where everyone think you know the advantage should lie with San Francisco. Do you see it that way? Yeah, it's fact. I mean, all yeah. of those guys are the same. They're about 5'10", 195. <laughs> or four three. Yeah, one four three slashers that could hit the home run. They're interchangeable. So when they're bringing in the third stringer at you know 100% healthy or 100% energy level, he's still able to do the same things the starter is doing. I, I think the run game and how they run the ball definitely favors uh, San Francisco. San yeah, 100%. Francisco. I mean, yep. you can like you said, you can literally interchange any one of those those backs and still get the same production. If if you would get if Coleman didn't get hurt last week and he had a bulk of carries, they probably would have combined for the same amount of yardage and it wouldn't have just been Mostert. On the other hand, if you put Shady in the game if, instead of Damian Williams, I can't promise you that Shady would have went over 60 yards. I can't promise you that Darwin Thompson would have went over 40 yards. He's he's a yep. rookie in this in in this year, you know what I mean? But running back San Fran, hands down. Yeah, based on the system, too, it, it makes it. I mean, if you're looking at straight individuals, it, it's a much closer fight. I mean, you still got McCoy back there, and you still got you know, Damian Williams has proven to be pretty solid, but um, just the way they run the ball. And I don't know if we're going to be breaking down the fullback position if that's part of this, but <laughs> Kyle Juszczyk, I mean, they got Sherman, Juszczyk. too. I'm about to say, right. Yeah, so that, they got, so that, those that, are backs, too. Those yeah, are close so guys. Full, but so fullback, it's even. Fullback will call it. No, 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 no. You check, you check. Have you seen his hands this and, season? True, and, and, true. And, and, and burning people this season. True. And that's what, and that was my point. I was getting to. If we're not going to compare them or considering them running backs too, I think I give the edge because I think Yuschek is a step above Sherman, and and he means more to that offense than Sherman does to the Chiefs. I just love that we have two teams with fullbacks <laughs> in the Super Bowl in 2020. That's and I love it. And actually utilize them. Yes, exactly. Not just okay, you're out there. It, it's okay. Now let's move to the wide receiver position. This one again. It's based on the system that these teams run. But when you look at the group that San Francisco has, it's not a slouch group. You've got a guy like Debo Samuel, who's had a great rookie season. Emmanuel Sanders, Dante Pettis. Uh, they've got a solid core group. But on Kansas City's side, we, we said it on the uh, in the TV show. We'll give a little preview here. It's the U.S. track team, basically. The USA men's you know 4x4 relay is basically the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver core. Tyreek Hill is incredible. Sammy Watkins has been outstanding this year. But again, two different systems worth of wide receivers, but both very, very talented. And the system, the system is definitely what comes into play here. I mean, you got Emmanuel Sanders, who with the Broncos, eh, 
and then he goes over to the 49ers, and it's a it's an immediate spark with Jimmy G. And then you got the rookie Debo Samuel, who you know he can kill you with the ball, uh, catching the ball through the air. But recently he's been killing teams on the ground as well yeah. w- with sweeps and reverses. The only thing is you never know when you're going to get that third receiver here and there with San Fran because Dante Pettis has been hit or miss. But in regards to the Legion of Zoom, pick your poison because any one of them yeah. – any one of them can beat you for that 60-yarder. Any one of them can take that jet sweep around the corner, and they'll dust you if you're not on your A game. I'll go I'll go push here, honestly. Um, you want Because are, are we adding the tight end? In We're, the keeping, the tight end. No, We're ti- no, keeping the tight end separate. We're keeping the tight end separate. Okay, that well, that, be because that's their third receiver, San Francisco. If that's the case, then you have to go Kansas City. With a slight edge. With a slight edge because they have a third receiver. Uh, Hardman or Robinson. Uh, Bourne is a guy that can play, but he has those bouts of inconsistencies where he drops a lot of easy passes. So right now, San Francisco is just a two-man race with Samuel and Sanders. Both are really good, uh, but if we're not including the tight end no, into that's this, that you know, Kansas City by Kansas City has Watkins, Hill, uh, Hartman, Robinson. Uh, they have some dudes there. So Pringle, <laughs> Bryson Pringle, yeah, Pringle, pretty decent. You know, he's a decent guy. But we talk about the core uh, yeah, receivers. Yeah. Yeah, San Francisco, Kansas City by by more than Kansas City by by ten, half a length by ten meters. To ten use meters. A track, to okay, use a track that's okay. A, that's a pretty long length. I, said, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Oh, okay, I don't know. I wouldn't go. The, I don't know the reference. Fast, it's close fast guy discussion. <laughs> fast guy discussion. <laughs> um, not in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, but, I'm not in it either. It's no, fine. I uh, I I do. I actually like. I think it's closer than you would think originally. Closer than the experts think. You would think, but because uh, I like, I do like the depth of San Francisco, and I like what they do in their system. They're not asked to go beat you over the top like Kansas City's guys are, and they do a nice job in the intermediate game, especially the knowledge Emmanuel Sanders has in all the big games he's played in. So I do like that, but uh, you have two number ones on the on the Chiefs, and they're not even the number one option. So yep. that's uh, it's that's crazy. So that's the insane part. And they have a quarterback who, you know, doesn't need that type of help no. and has that. So it's I, I do like the Chiefs because of what they – two number ones. So, I mean. it's, so it's Kansas City by various margins, basically, in this one. So we've got Kansas City – we're basically going clean sweeps. We're agreeing across the board. I like this. Now we get to the tight end position. Now this one is where it gets real because in Kansas City, you've got the big name of Travis Kelsey. You know what you're going to get from him. You've got Bell and Yelder behind him. But San Francisco, George Kittle has been a stud. Ross Dwelly has come up real big. Where'd he go to school? San Diego. I help him out. He's there you go. Was a like, was like, Why should I know? <laughs> Pioneer League correspondent, uh, not knowing his stuff. Clearly hey, on Mount Zion. Year, year <laughs> one uh, Pioneer League correspondent. <laughs> but Planet X over there. Like. <laughs> but this one, for me personally, it's a push because both of these t- like, tight end cores are just stacked for both of these squads. I'm going to say it's San Francisco because they have depth. Okay. Kittle, uh, Kelsey is the Chiefs' tight end core. Yeah. But Kittle is good. When Kittle was out, Dwelly stepped up and played really well. Tololo is a, is a solid, capable tight end. They have depth here. I, I like this, the 49ers. Um, I think it's a push when you talk about Kittle and Kelsey. Athleticism. Yeah. Right. They're, okay. they're, they're the same. They're, they're one and the same. But after that, who else is uh, – Blake Bell, the belldozer, is not <laughs> giving you the same thing as Dwelly is. So okay. I'm going to go San Francisco here. I'm going to go San Francisco as well, and not only because of the depth or receiving-wise, but I'm going to go because of blocking here. I think that Kittle – Kittle's more physical. Like, Kelsey's a physical specimen, don't get me wrong, but Kittle will run you over and then bury you afterwards. I think that Kittle is a little bit better of a blocker than Kelsey is. Yes. That's why I'll go San Fran here. Yeah, for all their points. I mean, there's nothing really more to add. I, yeah. I do agree with the push if you're going one-on-one, but the depth on San Francisco and the way they, the way their offense is, you're going to have two tight ends out there a lot as well. They're, the tight end position is more involved there. Even though he's the number one option, Travis Kelsey, in the Chiefs offense, it's still there's they're more important to that running game um, over in San Francisco. So it's interesting. We got through four positions and two for each. I wonder if this is going to reflect how the game's going to go. Let's move to the offensive line. Now, again, Two totally different offensive schemes, so two very different styles of where the offensive line is used. San Francisco, much more of a standard, okay, we're going to defend the pocket, we're going to run block. Very solid in that respect. For Kansas City, they have to be a little bit more versatile. you got to be able to run, got to be able to move. So if we're looking at the line position here, Kansas City, by the way, a lot more linemen on their roster than San Francisco does. 
who do you think has the edge here? Because again, it's hard to judge linemen, especially when you're running two different systems against each other, but they both do it very, very, very well. That's why it's a push. I think both lines do a fantastic job in, in regards to what they are asked to do offensively. Um, the fact that you're able to run the football really well, going east and west and the way they do, San Francisco's line is very athletic. Love the way they're able to run and how active they are in pass pro. And for Kansas City, their tackle play is stout. I think they do a great job on the tackles. And interior, they do a great job in protecting up front. So I think both offensive lines coming to this matchup really good. I, I would say this is a push. I agree that both off offensive lines are good. I do not see it as a push. I'm taking San Fran's line as the better line because, yes, we know that they are amazing in regards to the run game. They also protect Jimmy G. Kansas City, on the other hand, amazing in the pass pro, keeping the pocket clean for Patrick uh, Mahomes but they're kind of sketchy in regards to the run game. Now, I don't know if it's solely on them or partially on the running running backs themselves, but their, their running game is sketchy. They're 23rd in the league. San Fran is second in rushing, 13th in passing. But the Chiefs are 23rd in rushing, 5th in passing. So I'm going to take San Fran's line. Yeah, this is tough. I don't want to push, but it's too tough because, like Emery said before, they both do what they're asked to do so well. Yeah. They're asked to go downhill, and San Francisco goes downhill. That's their strength. Uh, Kansas City, they're not a run-first team. Their protection is Patrick Mahomes 100% of the time, and for the most part, he's doing that. You're only seeing Patrick Mahomes three times maybe a game with all the dropbacks he has where he really yeah. has to go off schedule where like he has to just spin around and do all that stuff. For the most part, he's getting the time to, to do his thing. So. Um, I, I'm going to push, but just because they both do such a fantastic job. So in the offense, we got Casey with two, San Fran with two, and a push on one. Let's get to the defensive side of the ball. Two interesting, like, again, the defenses here are both extremely good, but differ in terms of Kansas City. It's more of a bend-don't-break kind of a defense. They've improved significantly from what they were last year specifically and even throughout this year. San Francisco, you got playmakers up and down the board. So let's start with the front seven. I mean, San Francisco, it's hard to answer with this group. I mean, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, I mean, Solomon Thomas has been outstanding this year. On the Kansas City side, Kalen Saunders, the rookie's been good. You got the veteran in Suggs. Uh, Frank Clark has been out there. So this is this is a tough one though between this front seven though. Where do you where do you look at Now are you saying advantage? front seven or defensive? Oh, front, line? front line, front line. Front line, so, okay. San Francisco. Because we don't know how healthy Chris Jones is. He's a really good player, but he's a difference maker. Frank Clark is a good player, a great player for Kansas City. It's been a big addition to their team. I think he's playing well. Um, and they're rotating, you know, Saunders and, and stuff like that. But you can't ignore what this defensive – they've legit dominated games. At they've time. destroyed lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm talking about San Francisco. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. With their length and athleticism, Bosa should win rookie of the year. Um, you look at what D. Ford has done uh, when he was out there and, and you know, between Armstead and, and Buckner, those are really good football players, man. They're excellent. Um, they is a good rotational piece as well. So, to me, by far, San Francisco. No, I 100% agree with that one. I mean, they can throw out so many different interchangeable players on that defensive line at they can have a NASCAR package in and of itself, one play, take out all four, and the next four they're bringing in is considered a NASCAR package. Kansas City can't do that. And, yeah, like you said, Chris Jones, he he was hurt uh, before last game. He came in in the AFC Championship, did well, but we don't know if that's going to hold up still for the Super Bowl. It should, but we shall see. But just the amount of depth of – the linemen that the 49ers have that they can throw out there, and it's all-stars I'm talking about. It's not just guys who came about this year. It's yeah. all-stars I'm talking about. And Nick Bosa is going to be the defensive rookie of the year to add on top of that. Niners by landslide. Now, to Kansas City, before you get to yours, does a guy like Terrell Suggs, a veteran who's been through these kind of games, does that help them at all, or is he still just a piece to the puzzle at this point? No, it absolutely does help, and it's going to help a guy like Frank Clark, too, on the opposite side um, be more effective, even though he's effective without him. Uh, right. So it, it definitely does help, and yeah, that experience, absolutely. But uh, I think to me, this is, and this is not a knock on the Chiefs because of Frank Clark and Jones and Suggs and so on, but this is a landslide. This is San Francisco. For all year, we've been talking about San Francisco winning games because of the defense. They were taking care of business because of the defense. We were critical of Garoppolo because the defense was winning them games, and it starts here. Um, this this unit has been unstoppable at times, and we've seen Nick Bosa take over games like he was a, like a seven eight year veteran. 
Um, so and, and just the other pieces, D. Ford getting healthy, Buckner, like every we were all mentioned, Armstead. This is a, a really solid group and a really deep group, and I, I think this is where San Francisco's biggest strength in general as a team is, in my opinion. All right, so we're going to go with San Francisco there. Let's move to the linebacking position. This one's interesting because you got guys that are kind of making comebacks in their career on both sides. you got a guy like Darren Lee who really didn't do much uh, for Kansas City, but a really good roster with Hitchens, Neiman, Ragland, and Wilson back there. 49ers, deep again. Elijah Lee, Quan Alexander, uh, Fred Warner out there. This is, a, this is a closer matchup than I think it, people have been giving it for. I, I'm still giving the edge to San Francisco. I like the athleticism they have. Greenlaw is phenomenal. He's had a great uh, rookie season. Yeah, like how he plays. Warner is probably one of the best linebackers in the game. Um, I think because of how they're able to match up athletically and cover, I'm, I'm giving this an edge to San Francisco. So, yes, front seven <laughs> would probably, in my eyes, go to still be San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're right on the same page. The athleticism you get from all of these linebackers, the speed and the and the coverage, you, you're not going to get that from the Chiefs uh, on from the Chiefs side. Good linebackers on the Chiefs side, but the athleticism from the Niners is unmatched in this one. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely 49ers. It's just the front seven in general, and these guys are part of it. Uh, Quan Alexander, for me, is, is just a solid player. I don't think he gets enough credit because of everything else that happens in that defense yeah. between Sherman on the, at the back end and Bosa and everybody in the front end. I mean, this, this is a big deal uh, linebacking crew that helps uh, with the success they've had. All right, so front seven goes to the San Francisco 49ers. Now we go to defensive backs because the secondary is where this gets a little bit closer, in my opinion at least, because you look at – what San Francisco brings, and there's no doubt, you know, Richard Sermon is, is incredible. Uh, you know, all every position really across the board is really good, really good. But this is where Kansas City makes their money. This is where they shut you down in terms of the guys that they can bring to the party. Uh, and you know, a guy like Teron Matthew has been absolutely outstanding to the, for this defense. You give out nicknames. You, you called uh, Lamar Jackson Sticks, I believe, early in the season. <laughs> Daniel Sorensen is the secret weapon. This guy is all over the field. He's in there on special teams. He's made big plays all postseason long. Who do you go with on this one? Because I think this is a toss-up. So we're throwing in secondary corners This is corners and safeties. And safeties. Yes. Okay. Uh, you, you feel, feel free to break it down if you want to. But. I got you. We still got to go 49ers here in my in my book. I mean, you got Richard Sherman, who you might disagree with me here, but he could arguably be up there with some of the all-time greats when it's all said and done, whether or not he only plays one side of the field. Uh, their safeties, Jimmy Ward, Jaquiski Tart, they've been balling out towards the end of like balling out towards the end of the season for kansas city i'm sorry breland i'm not i'm not a fan of breland he's gotten beat a lot of times in his career he's got a lot of, he's gotten beat a lot of times this season kendall fuller he's not the best fuller i, I, I don't think he's the best <laughs> he's not the best fuller he's, he's a decent corner tyron matthew one of the better safeties in the game but all in all i, I st- i'm still going with the niners here yeah, I Matthew, in my opinion, is the best player between both sides of the ball here, okay. and that's even including Sherman. I think he's the the best because he can just play so many different ways, different positions. He's a, a switchblade or whatever that army switch knife, whatever the hell that is. Swiss army knife. There it is. There it is. He's that guy. But um, <laughs> outside of that, I just think with the 49ers' total defense, if we're talking about position by position, it is close. But because of the pressure the 49ers get and how these player, uh, these 49ers secondary can just jam you up, get on you quick because they know that you're only going to have two seconds to throw the ball. It's uh, it, it plays into their advantage, and because of that, it'll help. But this is, gonna, this is interesting because these are speed burners, and you can't really just jam up Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. If you can, that's great. But if you miss, it's that's six. So it's it's tough. But I think I do like their talent better. I think it's a push. Um, I think both secondaries are equally as effective. It's almost like the offensive line to me, and how they're mm-hmm. asked to do certain things. And we've seen the secondary step up and become much better on the back half of the season and start to turn the ball over. I like how Sorensen is playing. He made a couple of huge plays in the playoffs already. Uh, Houston being the one, he sniffed out that fake punt. Um, He's playing a lot better. Uh, I think on the corners, you're playing a lot better. Ward is a a really solid corner. Um, You know, I just think overall the secondary is one and the same. So I think it's a push here. Okay. All right. So we got basically San Francisco nominating the defensive side of the ball. The only push, Emery, going with the secondary. So that's interesting to note there. Let's move on to special teams. So we're going to divide this up, though, between kickers and punters and then the return guys. Two very different parts of the special teams formula. So in terms of the kicking game, obviously you've got Robbie Gold, who's the veteran for San Francisco. 
but he's had a rough year this year in terms of field goals. Harrison Bucker, the younger kid for Kansas City, has been outstanding all year long. Uh, in terms of the punting game, you've got a weapon in terms of Colquitt. He just has a cannon for a leg. And then San Francisco, you've got uh, Mitch Wydnowski, the, uh, the rookie there. But then in terms of the return game, again, the speed of Kansas City comes to the forefront, and maybe that's what pushes it over the edge. I, I just think it's – Kansas City, that yeah. easy on both fronts. Both, yep. yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think a long shot. They went all, all three of those phases. I think in regards to kicker, you can argue a push, but the punter is that's where the family business. That's the kicking cold. Yeah, yeah. Cold exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and, absolutely, and, and, like, the, and the kicking, the punting game comes in huge. I mean, I just I can't get out of my head that um, the Giants Weatherford uh, performance against the Patriots. He pinned them inside the uh, five uh, inside the five yard line. What three times? Like three possessions in yeah. a row, just buried. The Patriots and didn't give him a chance. Colquitt has that type of capability where if things aren't going right away, and we've seen the Chiefs struggle in the first quarter of these postseason games and throughout the whole year, if he can just continue to change the field and change the possessions, I mean, that could keep you in the game. And in, return, in regards to the return game, Richie James isn't bad. He definitely isn't. We've seen some good returns out of him so far this postseason. And Tyreek Hill. He's nicknamed Cheetah. Cheetah. He's nicknamed Cheetah for a reason. Miko Horman is probably Cheetah Jr. back right. there as well. Exactly. So, yeah, I, mean, I that's, like Cheetah. That's, that's super dangerous. So we'll all right. So we'll go with Kansas City on terms of the special teams. Uh, by the way, just in terms of kicking percentage, Bucker around eighty nine percent this year on field goals. Gould was around seventy four. So if it comes down to a late kick, keep but, that in but mind. Bucker did miss a game winner or a, a tying field against the Titans. He it, it got blocked. That. It got blocked. And so, Bucker definitely has distance as well. Now we get to go with one more here, and that's the coaching staff. You've got the old master in Andy Reid. You've got Eric Bieniemy at the offensive coordinator position, along with Steve Spagnuolo. That's a good staff and some good positional coaches for Kansas City. For San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan in charge, Mike McDaniel. You know, you got all you know Lafleur, who's doing his thing. Robert Saleh has got this defense just absolutely fired up. This is really interesting because you got the old master against the new kid on the block in Kyle Shanahan. Who are we going with in terms of the coaching? Does anyone have an advantage here? I mean, I would still say it's a push. Because you know, they're, they're both great. You know, you got the all, both are offensive geniuses. Uh, the you know everyone that's involved with the offense, OC Eric Bieniemy, uh, Kyle Shanahan, and what he does in scheming up the run plays, Andy Reid, and what he does with the screen game and all kind of crazy stuff. Uh, Spagnuolo for his veteran leadership, Salah for what he's uh, done with the 49ers defense. I just think it's a push, honestly. I do not think it's a push. I think that Kansas City has the has the advantage here. Um, Spags already has a ring. He That's knows true. he knows true. what it is. Andy Reid has went to four straight NFC championships back in the day, and also has coached in the Super Bowl. I, I think this is also the, has coached. I think in the this Super is the, he has his yes. longest drought between Super Bowl appearances as a head coach. I believe. I think it's like sixteen years from when he last was in one in Philadelphia. Now, Shanahan coached with the Falcons against the Patriots. We know how that turned out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, we did. Yes, we do. But, I mean, like, in regards to those two, uh, Reed, Spags, knowing what the deal is and getting your team prepar- get the preparation it takes to get your team going into this week goes far. But the biggest advantage, Andy Reed off a of bye. Oh, mm. that's right. That's right. That's right. That's Interesting. Right. Alex. Yeah, that, that's swaying me that way a little bit now. But uh, <laughs> I, I was, I'm trying to make an argument for Shanahan. And not saying that he doesn't deserve, like, an argument. Like, he, I don't think he is. I just don't want to push. But it's it's really identical. You got Biennemi and Salah, who are the two names that we're talking about potentially changing the whole coaching hiring for. Going against each other. Going up against each other. Offense, defense, like that. Um, and these two coaches, yes, Andy Reid's the guy who's been there forever. Actively, he's a you know, he's one of the elite coaches active right now that we were talking about the last couple of shows. And Shanahan, though, is, I mean, he's son of Mike Shanahan. He's been there. He's been around. I mean, yeah, obviously he didn't have a coaching role in the Elway Super Bowls, but he's been around, though. So it's not like this is his first Super Bowl as a head coach, like, or, like, experience. He had the Falcon situation. He's probably learned from those experiences, you would think. He's, the way he's coached his team up, it's just, I, I, I'm going to call it a push, um, until you said that little nugget right there and with Andy Reid on the bye, yeah. and I'm like, uh, you know, but... But let's not overlook the coordinators on the offensive side for San Francisco. Mike LaFleur and uh, Mike McDaniel have both been excellent, and you've seen what their system has been able to produce. That is Kyle Shanahan's offense yeah. that he... Oh, I know, you know it's Shanahan's <laughs> offense. I'm I, just the, saying. The fact <laughs> that they've been able to do with the... Uh, the fact that they were able to, like, just quickly flip 
uh, you know, hey, Garoppolo is trash right now. Let's start running the football. <laughs> and to go from you know, go from hey, we're gonna air it out to like you know what, let's let's let's, let's dial up these run plays. Yeah. Shanahan a beast, man. You got to give him his props. He is. He is until the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> All right, so oh, boy. push for most of that in terms of the coaching side. So pretty even on offense. Seemed like San Francisco had the better defense, and I don't want to use cliches. I hate cliches, but defense wins championships. <laughs> Love to hear what you guys have on this. Keep but going the coaching situation, much more to Kansas City from what it seems like. A push for two, but a prediction for Troy on one. Alex looks like he's in prayer trying to figure out what I he wants no, to pick here. I have no idea. No, so I, Tro- I, I have, who, who want, Troy, you want to take the first one here? You want to take the first crack? Who wins and by the what the scoreline will be, The scoreline, too? Jeez, the scoreline will be. I, I, I'm right here with you. You're doing too I'm much. Torn. Now. <laughs> I'm torn because I love the Legion of Zoom and what Andy Reid and Mahomes is doing. But when I look at this San Fran team and how they're how they operate, how good that defense is, and how unstoppable that running game looks at times, I don't know if Kansas City will be able to stop that running game. I think that. San Fran's defense can stop this Kansas or at least slow down this Kansas City offense. All that being said, I'm going to go with San Fran by a score of 21. No, let's make it odd. 23 to 14. 23 to 14. Mr. Marinoni, your prediction, please. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do like – I. I I do like it going to be a little lower scoring. Don't expect the Chiefs to put up the 30-plus that they've been doing just because it's the Super Bowl. That's what happens. Um, man, this is tough. I, I I always favor the better defensive team, and we just broke down on how all three levels we like the 49ers better than the Chiefs. That doesn't mean they're going <clears> to <throat> that doesn't mean they're going to stop Patrick Mahomes, but they're definitely going to slow him down enough, and they have the running game to keep them on the field to not put him right back on the field. And I think because of that, they may go down early, and the Chiefs will make their run, but they're not going to get the amount of possessions to come back. There will be points scored. I don't know what the over-under is right now, if it's if it's in the 50s or not, but I'm going 27-24 San Fran. Wow, okay, San Fran getting some <laughs> love in here. All right, well, see, I've got there's a couple of good stories that I want to throw in before I make my prediction. So both my friends – Die-hard San Francisco 49 fans. They have been since birth. They yep. have not been. They, they're a little bit older than I am. Okay. So they've been. Because I'm were, already ready to fact check these, were, these new they fans. Were, <laughs> they were born. They were born and grew up through the glory years of the 49ers. So I feel very, very happy for them. On the other side, I saw a story about a week ago. There's a man in Kansas City who bought a bottle of whiskey when they were in Super Bowl four. He hadn't opened it. He saved it for the next one. It's been sitting in his house for 50 years. That whiskey is going to be smooth as hell, and I wish he was able to drink it. Now getting ahead to the field. Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback that we have not seen in a, maybe ever. This is going to be a big, big test for him. And again, what I love most about this game, it's very much the past meets the future. You have the 49ers with a run-heavy offense, down and dirty in the trenches. Use the passing game when you need to. Kansas City represents the new school. Flying around the field, hit it deep, have a quarterback that can move. My prediction... By a score of 24 to 21, a team wearing red will win. <laughs> Lame. No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's so very, very tough. This is not like years gone by. I'm going to go Kansas City gets the win 24-21, and I'm going to throw this in there. They do it in overtime. Nice. 24-21 in overtime to Kansas City. And again, if you want Emery's prediction – Maybe you can tease your thoughts on the game. Just a quick overall thought before you go. People click on the link. Well, I will say this: normally, when you have great offense versus great defense, you want to side with defense because defense gets stops. Right. Conversely, when you're dealing in pressure situations, one team has two guys we've seen fold in pressure situations. One being the quarterback, the other being the coach. So, I mean, that to me. That is just I, – I, I just hope for TV's sake it's a great game. I think it will be a very entertaining but ball game. I, it wouldn't shock me if it got out of hand. Ooh. 
Ooh, well, again, you have to click the link here, folks. He won't hand it to you. You have to find it. Go to footballgameplan.com. Check it out there. Or, you or if watch. you're in the number one TV market, you could check it out on TV. On you Game know Plus what I'm Network. On the Game Plus Network. <laughs> in number one TV market in prime time, too. 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's that's pretty much prime time in the number one media market. Mm-hmm. How many people can say that? All I mean, all I'm saying is that the it views. Can. the view. Yeah, I was about to say I can. True. The, Are you the, on the show? Yeah, I, you I, guys are on the show too. <laughs> and I was about to say, I think the ratings have been a little bit higher since uh, the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? I think I the last know. three, two, three weeks. It's there been was a, a joke to be made in here, but <laughs> in this climate, I can't make the joke. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> what are you saying? This is a pity. This is a pity watching. Is that what that nah, was? Nah, I was gonna say what demographic it was popular, <laughs> but you know, we're gonna let it ride. Ah, uh, come on now. Yeah, let, nah, nah, nah. We're not trying to get kicked off the air in number one TV market. Like. We got the we got that Irish poll, <laughs> and that's what it was. <laughs> I was about to say there's something else to be made in there, but I'm not going to say that either, folks. That'll do it for the Super Bowl preview. It's going to be an outstanding game. Don't forget to tune in for this one. You're not going to want to miss a single second of this game from Miami, Florida, kicking off at 6:30 Eastern time. 5.30 Central, 3.30 p.m. Pacific, just in case we have listeners all over the country, which we should at this point. We do. Yeah, people, we, we have, as we're talking during the show, we're selling books now in Japan, in uh, Ireland, and also Canada. So, you know, there we go. Everywhere. There we go. See, we've got the Irish connection already. There you go. <laughs> so this game, yeah, this, uh, the game from right. Hard Rock Shout Stadium. out to Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love Dublin. I'm going, I want to go back real soon. Anyway, <laughs> that's coming all from the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. We'll see if Bill Vinovich has anything to say in terms of the refereeing decisions in this game. Let's hope not. That'll do it, folks, though. Thanks for listening in. If you want to listen back on this podcast on demand anytime you want, go to SoundCloud or iTunes. Subscribe while you're there to Football Game Plan where you don't miss any of our upcoming draft coverage or our XFL coverage. That'll be coming your way in just a couple of weeks. XFL kicking off next weekend. It'll be as of this podcast when it goes out so be aware be ready for that and go check it out hey it's going to be something to fill your football life while you wait for the draft to start that's what i can say about that so thanks again for for listening in folks we will see you next week enjoy the super bowl